Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. We have begun a new calendar and another 25,000-year cycle as we journey into a new realm of reality through the windows in your mind. We now begin with the knowledge of humanity and its divine origins from intergalactic conversations from the past and present. Let us look through a window into the ever-evolving consciousness and explore new possibilities with our place in the cosmos and the quantum world. Grandmother Parisha of Cherokee Heritage reveals the wisdom of the ancient past that will lead us into a peaceful future. Experience the love and peace through the exceptional wisdom of Grandmother Parishit as she shares science and ancient knowledge merged together to benefit all of humanity. Greetings and welcome. I am Parisha, your host on Windows in Your Mind. This show is brought to you by Law of Attraction Radio Network, the voices of consciousness and spiritual evolution. Windows in Your Mind is a never-ending journey into the unfolding of the unknown and the frontiers of consciousness and discovery. We discuss the magnificence of who we are, a humanity of divine origins and the embodiment of the I Am. We are in the evolution of understanding ourselves as players of the universal flow of change and come to the realization we are not in the universe. The universe is in us. There is a galactic gathering, and we need to know what's being communicated. We discuss the expansive range of quantum and the realization of coherence in our place in the cosmos. We discuss the validation of psychic perception and esoteric wisdom of ancient beginnings as time before time and ancient futures. We exist in the field of intention, and abundance, a field of infinite possibilities. You make a difference, and you matter in this world. By the command of Great Spirit, you are chosen to be. Your fingerprint says you are the original and only one of you. You are the chosen, and you are the one you have been waiting for. It is our time, and we are the star seeds. It is wonderful to have you take this time to join us today. And it says to me that you have come determined to achieve greater levels in life and have chosen to claim your power and resolve those challenges. Our program today is for all of you who have come to the realization of needing to go further than you have ever gone before. Together, we burst down the walls of pathways of habitual thinking and are fully charged and ready to step into our natural birthright of joy and abundance. So let's begin. We are a circle of wisdom keepers, and our gate is the south, and our keeper is the wolf Wea. Welcome, beloved. It is good to have you and to spend this time. Well, it's a fantastic day, and I'm on my routine circuit, seasonal circuit, of attending many ceremonies at this time. So right up into the month of August, the summer months. Okay, we've had summer solstice, so we're in summer ceremony. And it's one of the most active times of ceremony. And for most of the indigenous communities, it is the seasonal changes that heighten the particular ongoing activities of ceremony. And then there's, of course, the in-between times to where we are simply living as each day and each day of sun moves, okay? Uh, Some of the exciting things that we're going to discuss today is, is actually dealing with that thin veil, that thin margin 
that either determines us as living or dead or uh, existing at all. And for me in the traditional sense, everything that traditional people live just automatically includes the awareness and the acceptance of God is or Creator is or Great Spirit, whatever your many sacred names can be. And in doing that, we don't, uh, uh, you know, we don't look past anything. I mean, er everything is created. If it if it is a thing, it had creator, and in that, it's given respect. So everything's inclusive, and I love the various languages, uh, especially uh, my own language because it's called Ilatin. It's the original language that is. You know, there's probably only about 80 people still in the world that speak Ilati. But anyway, uh, the languages include, in, and it would be, you know, the many other languages of indigenous people that I've explored, and they've shared their particular, you know, manner of speech and, and uh, so forth and on and shared their words. Um, they include the word, not like English, like in English if you want to, uh, you know, make sure that you're talking about the moon, then you have to actually say the moon. You know, if you're incorporating something that involves the sun, you have to say the sun. But not so. In our words, our words are very inclusive of all those particular parts of nature. So, therefore, in, in uh, the manner of speaking, you know, like our language pr probably only take up eight pages at most, okay, Yet it, the art of conversation is extensive. And then I look at English, which, you know, the volumes of the dictionaries grow and grow and grow. It's almost like there's a frustration of trying to include more or, or you know, word something. And therefore it just gets, it's huge. It's just huge. So then, you know, as I've moved through my search and, you know, moved along in my life, actually, uh, exploring the sciences so that I could come to understand and validate and share the wisdom of my grandmothers and grandfathers. So there's so much that we take for granted, we being on the indigenous scene, that is present and inclusive so that, you know, I guess we don't suffer from exclusion. You know, we just know that it's all there. Um, I love it how in our languages there's no making right or wrong of something. It just is what it is. Um, one of the things I learned in the various communities I've worked with, you know, that when... Uh, some of our people get distracted with the realities of life and go off into alcoholism or drug addiction of some sort. Um, when, when that person's present and may be a little out of hand and everything, uh, the way I've watched our people handle that is that they just, they act like it isn't there, you know, instead of, of, putting the person through confrontations and arguments or maybe even ending up in physical exchange and hitting, you know, they, they, it isn't done. It's just simply, you know, they become non-existent. And uh, no one engages with them. They're ignored. They're, you know, m most of the time I would watch my grandmother just move around them with not giving them any space to get involved and everything. And, it, and obviously not apprehending any of the activities, you know what I mean? So that there was no making them wrong. There was no uh, seeing something not right with them. And then when they were in a better space, you know, making, uh, there was no making more of them because of that either. It was just, that's what it is, you know. Um, of course, in conversations, you know, people would uh, discuss with the elder or somebody what could be done to maybe assist, if anything, you know. But most of the time, just accepting 
and understanding that whatever was happening was in God, in, in, you know, in whatever state of that. So it's a little hard to kind of put that in words because as I'm sitting here trying to explain that, I realize that what I'm feeling and wanting to put in words is there. I don't have the words for it. So I'm just saying that in the different languages, the presence of all creation is there. So that when I move into the sciences, I take that from uh, a, a particular traditional base in myself that I am who Creator made me. And whatever exposure I've had to uh, the teachers and the influences of my life, I totally accept was by Creator's demand and drawing. So when people, be it Native people or non-Native people that have an issue of my mixed blood. I let that be their issue. It isn't mine. I am that I am. You know, it's if Creator decided I needed to be a little bit of this and a little bit of that and something over there, that's okay, you know, because it's like, it's just what it is. And I think it's that term, uh, I, I feel inside myself that a lot of things doesn't uh, upset me to a right and wrong position because it is just what it is. Um, if it's seeking help, I will give that. If it isn't seeking help and wants to be of itself what it is, that's okay too, you know. So we don't target or try to fix something that doesn't want to be fixed, whether we can see it as right or wrong, that doesn't exist either. So anyway, that that, you know, coming to explain that to you is to help kind of uh, build the base of which we're going to talk for today's program. Because there's just a whole lot of people wanting to have more information and actually discuss the very inroads of what, uh, what we discuss here on this radio program. And again, for those of you who, uh, you know, want to actually have some continuous exchange with that, uh, remember, all you have to do is, is come on to the Facebook and, and in that particular uh, mode of social uh, activity, I can definitely, you know, find a way to get back to you and exchange. And, and uh, it, we really look forward to you becoming more a part of it than me just talking at you, okay? And that would actually be the fact that you would go on to my Facebook, which would be www.facebook.com forward slash V like in venerable, V-E-N dot P-A dot R-I-S dot H-A. And therefore, you know, then you get to get involved in some of the probably lead-ins to what actually takes place on the show. So we're very happy to have you in that. Now, I don't know how many of you um, are actually aware of uh, the fact that right now science is actually proving that parallel worlds exist in us. That when we're discussing parallel worlds, you know, I know many people who uh, think that that's someplace out there in the universe, okay? And I know you've heard me say this. We're not in the universe. The universe is in us. And when you begin to explore what our body altar consists of and the holographic reality of it as well as its physical presence, you begin to get a, a little bit more grip on this. But um, in talking about the parallel worlds, in the indigenous and traditional manner of things when we're doing ceremonies. And uh, I do feel that we will probably even be doing the next couple of shows right from where I'm at because I will be in travel mode. So basically then the parallel worlds is what we actually cover when we're doing ceremony. Okay, we, we understand as we dance and as we... Uh, get ourselves into a particular mindset that there are all that is a place of the conjunction of all these parallel worlds, and there's been you know the many scientists that I've studied with, especially the physicists, even you know though some of them 
uh, go one way with it and some go the other. That that definitely is there. There's there's different views and perspectives on it. But for us, the perspective for traditional ceremony and that is we're aware that we prepare our mind and body for the experience to allow ourselves to be in those parallels or wherever. And so basically sometimes, you know, not all the time, sometimes there is a fasting. Um, and that fasting can be in many particular ways. We may take some particulars out of our ordinary daily intake of food and not particularly take of them. Um, Sometimes when there's a warrior actually testing the stamina and the ability to, uh, you know, partake or come on the other side of particular physical challenges, there can be what I would consider some strenuous fasting and uh, uh, conditioning for the body to do without particular things in order to not give in or become weak or fold on that. So there, there's just different levels of it. But most of the time in ceremony, there is a definite separating from certain foods and definitely, uh, you know, some measure of consideration on water. Wouldn't be a time that we would take stimulants. And uh, contrary to a lot of people's belief, we, you know, not everybody does peyote and, and take any kind of hallucinogens or anything else. There are communities that do that, and it's done under a very spiritual policy. It isn't just a getting high. There, again, is purification of the body, which would involve a lot of sweats, a lot of, you know, rock lodges to where you're not only cleansing the body through perspiration and that, but you're actually preparing the mind with a particular focus. And it, it all really brings a significant, measurable uh, energy field. You know, like the what I've enjoyed about it is the various times and with the various people, we've been able to measure that and actually see it, you know, through the new technologies and that. It's, it's, it's very impressive. But when we're talking about energy, we talk about frequencies and we talk about waves. Now, for us, that's also very symbolic to us that we could speak of it as spirit, the different, you know, experiences of spirit. Um, we relate to the wind, uh, definitely in the wind, because if once you can use technology to check in on what the wind offers, uh, that beautiful song that so many people sing is the color of the wind, the wind does have colors. And it, it shows the various uh, activities or frequencies and energy that's in what you consider open and empty space. And it does have its own color. And it's just as much a cohesive base as the water is to the fish. I mean, that open space to you is the same. So we have in it all kinds of radio waves and energy that you know, sets off these different experiences of color and whatever else it, you know, we experience with it. Um, in our level, I've, you know, had wonderful elders who can actually hear voices in the wind. And, you know, there's definitely a certain level of changeling kind of energy where they can, uh, you know, they do what some people call shape-shifting and stuff. I've just seen things that we would have to put on science fiction shelves in the bookstore because, you know, people's limited experience with the massive realities of what life can be or just what it is. It's limited, okay? So, but anyway, the, the ceremonial times that we're in actually begins to help us uh, at this time bring into perspective again and into our lives ceremony, you know, and, and definitely a lot of ritual. And then I have those beloveds who will say to me, I don't like ritual, you know, I don't like this, and I really don't get into all of that and everything else. And it's like, okay, first and uppermost, I am one who loves ritual, but ritual to me is everything. Um, I brush my teeth every morning. That's a ritual. Uh, I brush my teeth every night. That's a ritual. Uh, I take a bath 
before I get dressed to go out and do anything else in my day. That's my ritual, you know, and so it has a pattern. If it has a pattern and it has a particular maybe measure to it, it's a ritual. So through those rituals, we key our energies to pick up on a frequency that then helps project us to experiencing whatever the ceremony has to offer. So it's really a direct connection or a plugging in to the bigger picture of our existence and coexistence in Creator or in God. Okay, so when we're getting ready to go like now to the season of the sun ceremonies and the many life-giving forces that we see coming to fruition in the summer. This is very important because, you know, every regalia that we have, you know, the color of our regalia, uh, how how that regalia is honored is extremely, uh, a you know, very potent part of what it's all about, um, how we relate to it and how we care about it obviously brings the exchange that we get in it, okay? Um, the music of our ceremonies, you know, produce particular uh, neuron reaction that actually then creates the chemistry that sets off everything else so that we actually, as a collective, uh, you know, circle in, in ceremonies, we actually draw into those moments and times uh, spectacular things or phenomena that people say are spectacular things, you know. And to us, it's just a part of what it is. Uh, you know, it's not, in other words, it's natural for us to experience that, and we don't make anything abnormal or unnatural about it. It is uh, very easy, you know, and, and uh, definitely as I studied the sciences, you know, uh, I will become aware that in most of the sciences I was studying, uh, the material world, you know, something that can come and go, you know, it constantly changes and reshapes itself. But consciousness, you know, the sense of what we call consciousness, it always remained as uh, really the uh, defining of the element, you know, um, and that consciousness in some sense created the re realities of what our lives are and that very much exists within the framework of our ceremonies um, the very existence of atoms you know we see around us is is actually based on our ability to see and touch them and the sensitivity that we bring on in order to do that in the ceremonies uh, to be in touch with something way beyond the ordinary uh, when we're just an active mind and doing, you know, the usual day-to-day -day way of living, the working, the doing, and so the preparing and so forth and on. Um, when early on, many, many years ago, when my husband was doing a Sundance ceremony, uh, one of, and he, you know, he's a hard one to crack here because uh, he's a very practical person, almost, uh, you know, when he needs anything, his his response to it is, you know, is that he's a pragmatist and he needs proof. And sometimes he'll say he's from Missouri, whatever that's supposed to mean. So he needs to have proof, you know. So when he went into the dance and the ceremony, in his heart, he had explained to me why he wanted to, was to, you know, contribute whatever was he was capable of contributing and whatever that was you know so he was giving he was giving uh, you know identity to the fact that he had something of value that in doing it he could you know be an asset be you know could give he realized that it would have value so he danced and of course he'd gone through the fasting and the purifications and everything else and the very first day out, I had watched how, you know, when he would go into the particular routines of the, the dance, that when, you know, he would 
come past me, walked past me, I realized he, his eyes was looking glazed. Now you have to realize that during these times, especially in this situation, they were not taking in any water, no food, okay, and that, the, you know, their activities were limited to not discussions and talking or anything, just staying in as much prayerful state as possible. So I watched him kind of, you know, starting to emerge into those particular levels of ceremony that we all go to in what we practice. So as I watched him, I realized that when he'd come around to the north gate, which is Yunsai's gate to us, Yunsai being the Cherokee, a way of saying white buffalo, um, he was dancing and there was this light that began to beam off of his face and everybody, you know, was aware of it and, and there was just this state of expression on his face that can only be described as ecstasy. I mean, he was in touch. You know, he had definitely entered the zone, okay? And so he was experiencing something that we could, you know, a lot of people could see and then other people just saw the emanations off of him, you know, and it, but everybody knew he was definitely in touch with something. And what he shared after the ceremony, and it, it was a four-day ceremony that uh, they, he did in the, uh, actually working with a, a Lakota medicine man. And so he said when he was sharing, well, what he had seen, and I, I knew, you know, like my husband, we've been married 44 years. I knew that in all aspects, Tony was not like a religious man. Uh, yes, he had been brought up to attend church and everything, but his belief in God was very questionable. You know, he, uh, whatever it is that would go on in his space in that, he just didn't have a lot of patience when people start talking about their spirituality and begin to, you know, uh, emanate and discuss the things that they were experiencing in their meditations or whatever. He just, he just didn't. Um, his sense of meditation was just simply to get in there and wrestle with the mind and try to shut it off. You know what I mean? And he was always complaining about the effects of that. But when he saw this, he said that as he danced into the north gate, that all of a sudden the sky opened up and there he saw God. And he could not, could not find the words to tell us what that looked like. And for all of us that he was sharing it with, because we've been there, we've been in that place where things come and we don't have you know, verbalage to even begin to try and touch on what it was, we understood. And I, I loved it because while he was smiling and sharing it with us and discussing it, there were just huge tears overflowing out of his eyes and rolling down his face and dripping, just totally dripping and, you know, just drenching the whole front of his, his shirt. And he continued to try and describe and share with us the feelings and everything else. And he went on and stammered through that, you know, for several minutes. And then there was just a point to where he kind of drifted back to us and looked me in the face. And he said, I guess the only thing I can share is that God is real. And for whatever it is in my life that makes me worthy of it, he revealed himself to me. And that just had such impact, you know, for me to finally see the man that I had taken as partner and father of my children had finally given himself permission to have that extraordinary interrelationship and that connectedness. And he's never been the same, you know. Uh, Tony was always a very strong man that had to, you know, how he resolved any differences most of the time was with his fist and so forth and on. And there was just this whole change that come, a patience that suddenly showed up and uh, a tolerance and stuff. It, it just, you know, I can't even begin to 
collect all of the various things to celebrate from that, but that it was real. You know, to him it was real. And that what other people saw where he was seeing was there was something going on in the clouds, you know. And some people actually saw the clouds take a particular, uh, you know how we'll, you look at clouds and you'll see shapes and stuff. There were people who before hearing his his particular proclamation here, before that, people had began to talk about, you know, over in the north there, there was this kind of stuff going on and that, and, and people just shared that, you know. Because it's just kind of the thing you do at these kind of ceremonies. And... Uh, I don't know if that's what prompted Tony to share his experience or if somebody actually asked him. I just kind of walked in on his going through and sharing that. So basically that's what's taking place for us now is that purification and that attuning of ourselves to those frequencies and those waves. Now to introduce to you all who are not in the the studies of these particular sciences, a wave is made up of many frequencies and becomes uh, a wave because of itself it is a thing. And in, you know, in the ceremonies, we are the vessels of many frequencies that come together in a collective gathering of space that then becomes a cell. Like most of our ceremonies take place in a circle, okay? And in our particular work, we have plazas and arbors, which are made, you know, like a big round particular measured space. And we dance in those, we dance our circles in them. Well, in doing that, we create a field. And I had this wonderful... A friend from Australia that come Matt Shields and he's he's definitely on Facebook as well who brought his cameras the technical cameras that he had that could actually capture uh, the energy fields and everything that was going on in those energy fields and he had asked for permission to actually use that and and uh, if there were parts of the ceremony, we'd allow him to actually study to see what the energy levels was. And I told him I, I felt it was a blessing and I was okay with it. So when he showed us at the end of our ceremonies, he showed us what was taking place. I mean, you know, like I said, these parallel worlds we take for granted on the traditional scene as us, you know, inside each one of us. And, uh, so when he showed us these these pictures and the things he captured with the, his camera, and I'm not just talking about, we're not discussing Krillian uh, photography here, we're talking technology and the ability of it to pick up uh, frequencies and electrons and so forth. First off, the arbor which had been prepared was just this glowing, pulsating, eminent, emanating energy nobody in it just that it was set up uh what we do in in the plazas and altars depending on what people's traditions are uh you know there can be shields like medicine shields brought to uh stand around the circle or you know people's people like to bring something significant of their lineages um other things that are in those places could be offerings you know that they're they're come because they need certain things to have more attention and they'll make offerings, prayer ties, some of them are called, and pajos, which are prayer items and things, just just all that. Sometimes what's around the, the circle in the plaza too could be things that people want to have empowered. Uh, mothers who are, you know, waiting for the birth of their child. Sometimes they come with things that they... they want them in the energy, collecting energy and, you know, getting some particular charge off of the ceremonies for the new coming baby and stuff. So there's just a number of things, okay? And like I said, a lot of it all depends on different people's traditional, uh, you know, means and, and considerations. So there's no just one way. You know, some people go through all that, but there is no just one way. And so basically... You know, when we're doing that, the arbors and the plazas are prepared 
sometimes uh, people use sand to actually cultivate the, the soil that people are going to dance on. Uh, most of the ceremonies we do and what my people do, we actually cornmeal the plazas or put corn pollen down so that we have uh, it declared as a sacred space. So once, you know, we've set the very pace of things and uh, we, you know, we create the space. Let's call that creating a sacred space. I know some of you will understand that. Um, then that's prepared and it, it, it becomes uh, an etherical egg or an etherical cell of itself. And it's just like, you know, I encourage all of you to actually study the sciences of the, the cell so that you're aware of how, you know, there's different portals that energy uh, moves through, just like in our physical body, you know, that, uh, you know, there are different elements that go into the cell through different portals that open. Well, in our ceremonies they do, and that's why we have the four cardinal directions as part of our our plaza and our, our arbor so that we are actually determining what will come through and nurture and the various things of it and you know in our minds and traditionally it's passed on and it's it's you know it's passed from one generation to another and we're, we're brought to the ceremonies you know right from the moment of birth and in fact, our birth becomes one of those ceremonies. And then we are in attendance to everything. You know, I mean, the children are not kept separate from any of this. And so we, we, we have become a part of that ourselves. The smells of, of the burnt offerings and the sounds of the drum and everything. I mean, everybody gets into the actuality and the energy of the ceremony. So you know, that's that's all part of it. And so therefore, as, as we all come to the arbor, and in most instances, and again, I'm only going to be able to share the most common to me, and we enter the arbor or the plaza from the west. Okay, very little, if any, activity, and especially in our particular tradition, there is no activity in the east gate. It's it's usually the ceremony acknowledges the east gate, the place of the sun, so nobody disturbs. I mean, there, there's no going in and out of that or anything, okay? There is in the north and the south, and then, of course, the west is considered the dancers or the ceremonialist gate, so that's left privately respected, okay? But anyway... The, everything is prepared, so when uh, our friend Matt was there, he, you know, he started taking these pictures, and it's like, so as we were setting up and dressing the plaza, or dressing the arbor uh, for the ceremonies, you know, everybody's mindset is there, you know, so we're actually creating with with the thinking and the the way that we do things, so. We're actually creating that energy. You know, we're birthing uh, the new ceremony, the, you know, the present time ceremony. So there are all these different energies that are there. Um, many times uh, elders and, you know, uh, spiritual uh, significant people come that want to bring their particular uh, energy we would call those blessings well that's all very welcome and, and more than welcome deeply appreciated okay so that happens sometimes while the arbor's being made somebody will bring a particular offering and put it there we have uh, our burnt offering some people call that a smudge or I you know incense or whatever we we consider that as burnt offering and uh, it has particular plants and herbs that we burn and they're significant again to the message and a particular outcome so then you have all these frequencies going on remember I told you waves are made up of frequencies well the arbor and the plaza become the wave and inside that we're creating and emanating 
and activating all these frequencies. They can be blessings. They can be, you know, particular items. Uh, again, like I said, could be medicine shields. We do call almost all of that. Our our particular reference to all of that is the medicine ways or the medicine things, meaning we're bringing all of the important uh, caring and nurturing things together. And so basically that particular space becomes the cell. And like I said, study the cell. Because then everything, you know, the more you learn about the cell, the more you understand the circle. And you understand the nucleus, you know, and that being where the DNA is in our physical cells actually represents the same thing in our ceremonies. So that DNA would be whatever this particular ceremony is, okay? And then how everything gathers in and around that nucleus is the same as ourselves. It's it's all of the things that make up the life of that cell. And in our case, you know, we need to look at the fact that, you know, if if uh, if you've studied anything on the cells, then you know that some of the stuff that comes through our particular cells are the reaction and the chemistries of anger or some of the more detrimental things, while a lot of the nurturing food resource uh, intake that we have doesn't always get in because there's a whole lot of other different chemistry that's gotten in there. Well, we make sure in our ceremony that that's not happening. And so with the four cardinal directions, we see each one of them having a gatekeeper. And that's, that's you know, the English translation of, of that keeper. And those are each given particular significant totems, depending again on the territory, the regions, the locations, as well as the traditions of the peoples there. So I've had people say, well, this is not a real this or that over there is not right because, and it's like, no, the selection of those totems are particularly unique to those people's ways of and significance of what they're doing. So it isn't, it isn't accepted in the wisdom ways for anybody to make wrong somebody else's ceremony. So when... I hear people coming and saying, well, these indigenous people said this about those indigenous people and so forth and on. All I can tell you is if there are any indigenous people making wrong of somebody else, they've already lost their truth. And I don't find, I would, I don't give any significance or importance to that at all. That's just not the way, okay? So basically then the gatekeepers are acknowledged and given a totem. And like in my particular tradition, and, and this is Eastern Cherokee, okay, in the north is Yunsai, and that's the white buffalo, and in the east is Awahili, the, the red eagle, and then in the south is Wea, the white wolf, and then in the, the west is the black bear, Yona. And so for us, we, we definitely see those as significant aspects and, and attributes that we acknowledge that gate as having. Okay, and so it's those attributes that we give and have commanded as such that then begins to create the energy or the magnetics of the benefits of that. And then again now, that comes into the arbor. Okay, in some people's traditions, they actually cut a tree and put in the middle of their arbor or their plaza for such ceremonies. With us, we particularly have a nucleus, a circle within our circle, and in it there are significant things that we put there, not necessarily, I mean, obviously it's it's got four posts in it, so it has some trees there for sure. But in most cases, it represents for us maize. And maize, maize is corn. So we have a significant showing of corn, the stalks of corn and so forth and on. So basically, like I said, now we have built the structure of the sacred space. And then when our dancers or our ceremonialists come in, they're dressed in a regalia that complements it, talks to them. So now 
their regalias become a part of the frequency of the cell, the circle, okay? So basically that's usually made up of particular traditional colors and symbols and particular ways they're worn, like to go to a kachina dance. It's a very elaborate regalia that is significant to masks and, you know, different uh, animal skins. If it's a dance of the deer, you know, it'll have each of the kachinas will have a set of antlers on. And, you know, if it's the foxes involved, usually they have a fox skin that's hanging, you know, down their backs and stuff. So, like I said, there's just everything that's in the ceremony has significance as to what it represents in attributes. Now, we're thinking that, we're holding that energy and those thoughts, and therefore we start attracting that energy. Okay, uh, with us we have particular significant colors, and you know our dancers wrap themselves, and the women wear a particular type of dress and so forth with shawls, and then basically that brings another frequency into the arbor, doesn't it? So our wave that we're building, it being the ceremony itself, continues to be enhanced by all this being added to it. So when Matt began to actually look at his, his camera and he showed us what his camera had gathered, oh my goodness, you know, for, for the dancers and for those who had attended. This was an extraordinary revelation. And what they begin to see is, is uh, you know, when there are particular burnt offerings brought in to the, the plaza or the arbor, it's usually significantly placed either where pipes are sacred uh, objects that are used in ceremonies and stuff. There's like an altar set up for that. So usually there's a burnt offering there. And the burnt offering is, you know, set around by the different gates for obvious reasons of welcoming and prayers and so forth and on. And as the smoke rises from our offerings, we give it, uh, you know, instructions and commands. In other words, our prayers are being lifted into the ethers through the smoke. So there's just a whole lot of wonderful... I mean, I love it. I Like I told you, I love the ritual. So I love it. So anyway, you know, when we were looking at uh, Matt's particular camera and what on his computer had been caught, all of a sudden you saw that when the dancers were in process and actually doing the ceremony, they weren't alone. I mean... You know, if you had this number of dancers, all of a sudden you saw twice, if not three times, that many presences in the arbor. And then you saw all of this uh, tremendous interaction of energy coming up out of the mother, out of the earth herself, and just shoots, you know, like just columns of just wonderful energy, beautiful and in various in colors, no, you know, nothing particular, this, this, it was just such a beautiful variety. And when the trees would move and the winds would blow through, oh my goodness, I mean, there was, there was just this extraordinary display of just such faces and energy and uh, symbols and, and uh, forms, okay? And then we noticed that, you know, at, at the point of when the very first uh, set of, of dance or activity was done in this particular case, that from that point on, every time one of the bowls of burnt offering was brought in, they started looking like these phantoms. The, as the smoke would rise, they took the form of beings and they just looked like these awesome phantoms reaching for the sky and moving up so that the chanting and the drumming and all that was being said in prayers was being lifted and actually taken by these wonderful phantoms to uh, the ethers and to the, the, you know, to the source. And then 
uh, in each of the gates, there was these presences. And, and one of the times when we were doing this, we actually saw the faces of each of the totems showing themselves in the in the cameras. And it's like I, once we, Matt had actually introduced us to this, I generated enough funds to actually purchase that and begin to actually explore that in all ceremonies. And it made for people who were coming and even people who were doing the ceremony that had not come to a place of actually having much revelation of their own involved, just, you know, doing what they considered the task or the routine of it. Uh, they were still in body. They weren't letting go and becoming spirit or becoming the ceremony. You know, they were still dealing with either their legs were tired, their feet were this or something. They were still in the, you know, people, places, things, and events. They were in the body. So basically their elation to this was just awesome to watch. That they, you know, they were sitting there and you just saw the change. I mean, their whole physical aura changed because of just seeing, oh my God, that's what was there. You know, it wasn't just me, you know, surviving, getting this done. It was like, look at this. And um, the there was this dome in what Matt had taken for us over the arbor itself actually become this dome that we were like in a bubble. I mean, it actually, because of the roundness of the arbor and the dome that moved across the top of the arbor and the energies coming from the mother herself. It was like we were in this bubble. And it was so, it was so just, so visual that everyone could understand the sacred space had now become a cell. And it goes on, and as, you know, we continue to see the effects of this in the computer, the technology that was being used. It shows that then when, uh, you know, when the dancers are not in the arbor, the arbor become occupied by these phantom beings. And then when the dancers come back in, these phantom beings join them. Okay, and then on our last day, when all was done, and we came to completion with it, Everything lifted, and that's exactly what I mean. Everything just began to lift, and it was like the resolving of the energy, just that, like the mother was releasing it and just sending it upward. And all the magnificent colors and the forms and all of the other stuff, all of the prayers. I mean, over that four days, the what was going on, in the energy field got thicker and thicker because of the many prayers and the chanting and everything that people were adding to it. You know, as the dancers danced, uh, the people would send out and call to them, you know, that they loved them and they appreciated it and that, you know, they appreciated the healings and, you know, the people would come to certain gates like the north or the south when the dancers were coming around to that who were asking for uh, healing and stuff and those were just such powerfully documented things that we know that for me become the gift to those who come and only come because they had faith and trust that something's going on they weren't actually seeing it and having the experience the beloved simply just held it in their heart and wanted to believe it and wanted it to be so they came. And after seeing the magnificence of what was there, and there was no way, you know, like in, in the particular technology, um, you know, for the skeptics or whatever, there was no way for anything, for Matt or any further filming of anything like this to actually be manipulated. There, there I got to say that as I used it and... and actually began to make that study to help people see there in particular people's ways my I'm going to just use my own my own traditional way there were familiar things that showed up but just as I begin with my mind to think okay well 
you know, what is that? That that's, you know, that's been there before. When we did it and, and other uh, traditions wanted to have some documentation on it, theirs was different. Totally different. Not worse, not better, not greater, you know, not poorer, not weaker, but just different. And so it caught that as well, you know, how it honored that particular way. And it was just, just seeing it. And that, that knowing that that's really our world. And that those parallels are going on right there in the space you're sitting right now. There's so much going on in that space that your space is in. You are by no means alone. And beloveds, with all my heart I say to you, except the God within is always present. The body is temporary, but the very essence of who you are and what you are is real and forever. And in it there is so much discovery you can never tire. I mean, I feel, I, Grandma tells you all the time, I'm 75 and I feel like I'm 25 or 30. I still plan and live like I'm 25 or 30. It, it never gets old. It's like, yes, I do go through some resistance of getting on the ceremonial trail and everything. And I'll hear, you know, the body start some of its moaning and it's like, get over yourself. I mean, I'm, I'm documented as owning that, I think, get over yourself. And I just push it aside and keep going. And once you're in the ceremony, once you have arrived, you know, at the location of the ceremony, all that's gone. And you're in the swing of it and it's worth every bit of it. And when you leave, you wonder how you could have ever had, you know, all of the whatever's coming off of it but it is real it shows the the parallel existence that we have and within us within us is the most magnificent of all things the universe and in that eternal message i'm going to have to close on our program now because we've kind of finished up our hour and just want you to know that it's real for me to say this to you. In knowing all of that and that being the massive reality of where I will be over the next five, six weeks, I want to do this radio show and see how well uh, Jules and the engineers can help me broadcast from there for you whenever that's appropriate, whenever we can. And to include you and for you to know that this this affinity that you and I are, are working with and developing, I know you're there. I feel you. I send this out to you. No matter if you think it's a recording or it's not like, I am in that time capsule with you, and this is yours to have. I want you to experience it with all my heart. And with that, I'll say goodbye for now and catch you later. Well, okay, it's that time of being complete again and going forward to assimilate and use what we've shared and learned. It's with love of humanity that I serve, and it's always good when you're with me. I value you in your time. So I say to you, Olama Liaha, we are family. Walk in beauty upon the great Mother Earth and be the blessing that you are. I send you my hugs and kisses on the breeze and in the sun. Beloveds, I am always with you. Have a wonder-filled week and celebrate all good things. For those of you who want to keep in touch through Facebook, remember that it's www.facebook.com okay, slash forward and it's V-E-N period P-A period R-I-S period H-A. And make sure that you share what you want to say and come on to the program. Remember, as of August, we will be actually going live. And you'll begin to really talk back to me and share your stuff. And I look so forward to that. So until then, know we are blessed. See you soon.
Thank you for listening to Grandmother Parisha on your journey to the windows in your mind. For further information or to contact Grandmother, please visit parishas-world.com. P-A-R-I-S-H-A-S-world.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.